Standing up in McKinney, this is According to Callus. It is episode 494, 494 times I've been here that I've counted. <laughs> uh, it is 9-13-2023, and today we're going to do the follow-up on the follow-up. That's right. We're going to talk about what have we learned, if anything. Uh, before we get into the meat of the day, let me remind you the best way you can help me. This makes a difference. Like, share, and subscribe to this podcast. You know, sharing it on the social medias, telling your friends about it, it all helps. We're averaging around 500 downloads plus on a daily basis. Might be actually a little higher than that, but that all goes to getting the word out. We can and are making a little bit of a difference right here in Collin County, McKinney, Texas, But honestly, most everything we talk about is applicable out your back door. So don't forget that. And if you feel particularly motivated, do me a solid. Go rate and review this program. Tell your friends. You know, let let the internet know that, uh, yeah, there's a little truth spoken here, even if it is, according to (laughs) Kels. All right, here we go. On with the program. All right. So the high points, if you will. Things we should have learned. How about that? Let's phrase it that way. What should we have learned? Okay, number one, quit messing around in other countries. Number two, fix our own problems. And number three, prioritize our people. Okay, now let's break that down just a little bit here, right? Or the the uh, pref- preferred phraseology. Let us unpack. <laughs> For those of you that don't know, there's a guy by the name of A.D. Robles out there, and he does his NPR voice. Uh, I'm not quite sure I can pull that off, so I will leave that to Mr. Robles. All right. Quit messing around with other countries. Okay, 2001. We learned firsthand that uh, you keep poking people, they'll sooner or later react. And when they react, you're not going to like it. Now, we can critique the hows and the whys and whether it was an inside job or not and all that other stuff. And I think those are all valid discussions to be had, but we're going to just start with the idea that what you were told was basically correct. A bunch of um, Islamic guys got really upset about the way that we were doing things in the Middle East and they decided to take matters into their own hands, i.e. crash a plane into two buildings or two planes into two buildings and Damaged the Pentagon and the fourth plane, not sure where it was going to go, whether it was the Congress or the White House, don't know. But what I can tell you is, since then, we've continued to ignore what the obvious lesson should have been. We've continued to meddle and play around in other countries. And you need to look no further than the mess that is Ukraine. Now, I said right here on this show... At this point, it might even be a year ago. I should go back and look and find that other episode. Both guys are bad. Both countries are dirty. Nobody's pure. But it's not our fight. It's not our problem. Why in the world are we spending $100 billion plus dollars to meddle in somebody else's skirmish? Now, I'm sure you can go find plenty of answers and reasons to that question. 
I'm sure there might be some legitimate, some that are illegitimate, and some that are conspiracy, whether conspiracy proven or conspiracy theory. I don't really care. The key takeaway that we should have gotten from September 11th, 2001, is you keep screwing around in other countries, sooner or later, somebody's going to do something about it, and it's going to hurt you. So as we continue to mess around in other countries, notwithstanding what's going on in the in Ukraine, the you well, I guess what is it? <laughs> Ukraine Russia war or Russia Ukraine war? Don't know. Two sides of the family tree duking it out over a couple of uh, areas that are under uh, constant argument. All the while ignoring the fact that. The other side is nuclear armed. The other side actually does have valid claims. The other side, whether we like them or not, is not afraid to do what they need to do to win. And as a result, we keep messing around, keep poking the bear, quite literally, and we're going to act surprised when they do something that we don't like. I used the analogy before about the younger brother that keeps poking, his older brother keeps prodding and you know, taunting and sooner or later the older brother uh, gets tired of his stuff and gives him a whack. Well, then of course the younger brother dutifully runs to his mommy or his daddy and blames the big brother for doling out a little unauthorized justice. And of course the older brother usually pays a heavier price than if he would have just ignored the younger brother. And unfortunately, More often than not, the older brother does not get that lesson at that time. Well, I'm here to tell you, doesn't matter what we're doing here. We're not the parent. We shouldn't be involved in this situation. We should be trying to encourage them to cut a peace deal. But instead, we're arming and throwing money at a crook, fighting another bad guy. Who cares? Now, I know the Ukrainians care. I know the Russians care. I know the neighboring countries care. But why in the United States would we be continuing to urge on a war? It makes no sense to me. But that's what we're doing. Because clearly we did not learn the lesson that we should have gotten from 9-11-2001. And that's just one lesson. And it's not even my lesson. Pretty sure that Ron Paul at a presidential debate try to school the rest of the Republican candidates, there's this thing called blowback that even the CIA acknowledges it as a consequence of their bad behavior that sooner or later people fight back or they do something. It's called blowback for a reason, but apparently we didn't learn that lesson. On to item number two, fixing our own problems. Now, look, I realize there are two parties that control what happens in the United States. Some people would call them the uniparty. And in many cases, particularly in D.C., that's very, very true. It's it's one giant uh, mob family that runs the nation. And sometimes one side of the family is angry at the other side. But always they're milking and taking from the rest of the country. They might, they might get a little tiffs amongst themselves, but they're always looking for their next mark within the country. You see, 
the problem is, is we still believe that there is a chance that we can fix DC. And unfortunately, even the people, the good people we send to DC, forget that the moment they get there, that there are actually problems that need to be dealt with back from where they came from. Now, if only, if only we would have focused on the idea of federalism, if we would have focused on the idea of localism to address the issues that we have here at home in certain places that are more pronounced in one way or another, depending on the topic, the issue, and the time of day. You know, this is not all states the same. This is not all people the same. Quite frankly, they're not. There's many different variations, and they need different solutions. Now, to be honest, I really don't know what is the best solution for each location across the country. And the fact of the matter is nobody can really know. There's no way to know. You have to try a number of things in different places and see what works for that situation at that time frame with those group of people involved. But we're not willing to do that because both sides of this uh, dichotomy, the Republicans, the big R Republicans and the Socialist Democrats, they think if they can just take the center and mandate changes, mandate rules, that they can legislate the outcome that they deem better. Call me dubious. I would say, how's that working for you? But it's clearly not. We have trained generations of people to look to D.C. to solve their problems. We have trained that same generation of people that they're incapable of taking care of themselves. We have bred in the inability to look out for oneself, the inability to figure anything out, the inability to, I don't know, have some independence. Oh, I know there's a a certain percentage of people that break that mold. There's a certain group of people or subgroup of people that do their own thing regardless of what they're told or regardless of what they're shown. And that's great. But that is going against the flow. That is the exception to the rule. And you may recall, we talked about in the past how you can't base things off the exception of the rule. You have to focus on the rule as it is. So when you talk about problems, you know, you could start anywhere. You can look at the number of people we have incarcerated. You could look at the number of people that once they get a felony pop for what is essentially a victimless victimless crime. You can draw your own conclusions there because I know different people feel differently about that. But I'm here to tell you, I think there are plenty of crimes that are not even drug related. They really don't have a victim that somehow become felonies. Or the way that we rig the judicial system or rig the prosecutorial system to basically cause more people to become criminals, to get a record and to have their lives ruined and force them into a cycle of dependency. And that's just one issue. Or we could talk about the bad agricultural process that we have or the lack of agricultural process that we're bringing online right now as we're shutting people down because, well, there's a rule somewhere that says you can't do that. It doesn't matter that it's worked fine for generations We say you can't do that because apparently, you know, law trumps nature. That being said, 
we could talk about the ridiculous regulations that are shutting down the automotive manufacturing industry. We could talk about the registration, or I'm sorry, the regulations and the abuses of power that are damaging the tourism industry. We could talk about the, or I'm sorry, the forestry, the livestock, manufacturing in general. Now, I'm here to tell you, I don't have a solution for each and every problem. But what I can tell you is what we're doing isn't working. So we could at least stop doing what we're doing. We could at least look at different options. I don't know why it's such a challenge. I don't know why people can't figure it out. I don't know why, say, the state of Texas can't just say, hey, you know what? Uh, We got this. Y'all stay in your own lane. I mean, Colorado had no problem telling the feds to stay out of our business. We want a bunch of people to come here and smoke dope, and we're fine with that. And for some reason, the feds went along with it, and they got away with it. And then other states soon followed. Now, whether you think smoking dope's a good idea or not, that was the state's right to do that. So why isn't Texas willing to do something different? I mean, we don't like babies being killed here. We, we've got a law. But, I mean, let's just uh, start deporting people to do that. I'm sorry. Uh, you're not welcome here anymore. We're going to send you over to New York or California. You'll be much happier there. Oh, I'm sorry. You you like uh, child porn or you're a groomer? Well, we're not allowed to execute you yet. But guess what? <clears throat> we're going to send you to uh, Illinois. There's this place called Chicago. You'll be right at home there. I mean, seems like a likely solution. But why won't Texas do it? Oh, I mean, we're helping move the illegal aliens around the rest of the country uh, at our own time, mind you, rather than just shutting the darn border down because, you know, that would require some effort to fix our own problems. You can't fix your problems when you have 33 million people, but you're having a million people every year or more cross your border and at least half of them staying here that really don't add anything useful to the country. Or to the state. That doesn't mean I hate these people. It doesn't mean that there aren't good people in there. It doesn't mean that, you know, anything other than we didn't need them. We didn't request them. Why are they here? Why aren't we holding the line? We can barely assimilate the people that we have here into our culture. Why in the world would we keep adding it time and time again? That's as if it was an invade. Oh, wait, it is. Well, I guess maybe we ought to focus on fixing the invasion. How about that? That'd be a good problem to deal with, right? Or power generation. I mean, I'm not sure why we can't bring a nuclear power plant online or why we'd be shutting down natural gas plants or, I don't know, who thought it would be a great idea to remove dams that give almost completely reliable power for next to no cost once they're already up. And I shouldn't say next to no cost, very low cost. How about that? But again, this is the idea of fixing your own problems. And we seem to fall short on the idea that we should deal with our own problems first. We should focus on internal issues first. Before we go around the rest of the world and telling them how it ought to be and how we're going to do it for them, we ought to fix our own issues. But then maybe that's just wishful thinking on my part. Okay, the third thing. And this again. This is, you would think would be a lesson learned. Why aren't we prioritizing people? 
in our in our country, apparently we give personhood to corporations, but not to unborn children. Apparently, in this com- country, we value a company more than we value individual people. Now, I can make an argument that companies, corporations do have a value, but we shouldn't allow people to be stomped under the heel of those corporations. And lest you think I'm exaggerating, the definition of fascism is corporations and government working together to do what the other can't do. Some kind of dystopian novel might have been written about this. I I don't know. Maybe you've heard something about this. Uh, It doesn't end up well for the rest of us. Something about the future containing a boot stomping on the face of humanity forever. I'm just, just coming to mind. Or, or worse yet, the people are overloaded with useless information and drugged into oblivion and nobody really cares. At what point do we realize that we've allowed ourselves to be seen as a commodity? It's, it's no coincidence that it's no longer called personnel and it's seen as human resources. You're just a resource to be exploited like everything else because you don't matter. People don't matter. I, I reflect back to, I don't know, about four years ago, a little over, I was in a discussion about the homeless people. Now, I'm not exactly a bleeding heart. But I, but I told these folks, I'm like, you know, most of those folks have mental issues. Maybe they're addicts. Maybe they're not. But most of those folks have mental issues which don't allow them to think clearly. Is it better for society that they're out in society, for lack of a better way to phrase it, being a nuisance? Or might they be better if they were in a treatment center somewhere? Now, yes, I know it costs money. Yes, I know it's not cheap. And yes, I know that, you know, it grows government. But the reality is those same homeless people that get themselves in the trouble, not all of them, but enough of them do, they get put in the system and they end up in jails or they end up in prisons or they end up dead or they end up in an ICU from an overdose or whatever else. And that costs us even more money. But if we valued people, right, if we prioritized people, maybe we could find a way to do this without bankrupting ourselves. And once upon a time, a guy by the name of Newt Gingrich, a former Speaker of the House, not exactly my favorite guy, mind you, but he brought out the idea is like, why don't we have orphanages anymore? Now, I don't know if he was referring to like state orphanages or like church orphanages or whatever, but the question is, we have a quote unquote, a lot of unwanted children. Surely we must have the ability to take care of them or set them up to where they could learn to take care of themselves. Bouncing them around through foster care doesn't seem to work out all that well. I mean, it's like a lottery, right? Oh, I got the good one. I mean, I'm not suggesting that these are permanent or perfect solutions, but they're possible solutions. They're things that could have been done or have been done in the past that could be useful now. But apparently we're not allowed to talk about it. We're not allowed to consider that. I'm just guessing that there are plenty of ranches still in the state of Texas that probably could use some manpower. 
I'm just going to guess that if there is a homeless person that is morally, morally, mentally competent, they might like to be out in the country. They might like to be with animals. Maybe that would be an opportunity that would be mutually beneficial. I don't know if it happens or doesn't happen. I have no idea. But I would sure like to see if that could exist. Yeah, of course. You you don't put somebody in there that's never been around a horse or <laughs> cattle uh, without any training. But, I mean, is this not a possibility? I mean, with the amount of building and uh, construction that goes on in Texas, certainly we could train some of these folks up in trades, the ones that are not mentally ill, to offset some of the costs, right? I, I mean, I really don't understand why is such a challenge. Now, look, I know there are people that just don't want to work. They want to go live in the sticks or, or live in a hole in the ground or whatever. And you know what? That's kind of their right. And as long as they're not hurting anybody, I don't care. I don't necessarily think it's beneficial that they're living on the library steps. But there are trade-offs in life. We have to come up with solutions. And that's just an example that was close to home a few years back. Prioritizing people requires being able to see a value, whether it's the unborn, the born without money or family, or adults who just need help. They need to sort things out. If we're not going to prioritize them, if we're not going to value them, how can we expect anybody to take us seriously? How can we claim to have the moral high ground? Now, the problem is the socialist Democrat brethren, they have no problem doing all this at a state sanction and quite frankly, mandating certain things to be done because of the state's involved. And, and I get that. I mean, it, it's a it's a done deal. That's what they want. But why aren't we doing this as a church? Why aren't we doing this as a community? Why are we looking to take state or federal funds in order to do this? If you have a problem locally and you deal with it locally, isn't that the proper way to deal with things? I mean, conceptually... If you value people, you want them around. You want to involve them. But again, this is something that we seem to be missing. So I've started from, you know, a foreign affairs type situation. I worked it down to a, a national affairs kind of situation. And now we're, I guess, t technically on more of a local or a municipal level situation. Look, these are all things that could have, should have been dealt with and are far more important than doing the things that brought about the consequences that we suffered on 9-11. Now, let me, let me go a little further here with this. We talked about on the 9-12, the, the concept that where we could move bef beyond parties, we could work together, we could focus on the things that we all agree on, and we can get these things done. And I really wish that was a possibility. I, I driving around today, uh, driving around town today, excuse me. And I ran across the sign country before party. Yeah, that's great. I like it. I'm curious. What party does that person belong to? I'm, I'm curious if you're going to quit your party to focus on the country, what country and what's your vision of that country? I mean, the parties are shortcuts. They always have been. 
If, if you're a Republican, you believe these set of values in theory. If you're a Democrat socialist, you bling in, believe in these series of values. That's the shortcut. Now, we all know that it's not 100%. We all know there are exceptions to the rules. We all know that not everybody is exactly the same. Oh, go figure that out. But it doesn't change the fact that that shortcut is usually right. It's a generalization. Now, I'd be the first to tell you there are a whole lot of well-meaning people, particularly moderates, that are more than willing to dispose of the party thing, and they buy in to a nice story. They buy into the quote-unquote ideal of a moderate Democrat. I mean, I can make the argument for moderate Democrats. I know they do exist. They're a bit like the chupacabra now here in Texas, right? It's more of a mythological creature, but there is evidence to suggest that something like that does exist. But really and truly, when you sacrifice the shortcut, when you sacrifice what I would call a known good for a potential known better or unknown better, what good was that? Now, that being said, I've always been honest and upfront. I see myself as a Christian first, as a libertarian. Hmm, I almost said the wrong word. Liberty advocate. How about that? A liberty advocate second, constitutionalist would be interchangeable in there. And then thirdly, as a Republican. Now, I've never hid that. I'm not ashamed of it. And I'm proud to be a Republican and be involved in the Republican Party. But by no means do I allow them to dictate the terms of which I do things. Now, there's rules to follow. There's things that you have to agree to in order to be a Republican in good standing. And none of those violate my principles. And I'm sure that somewhere there's a Democrat that probably could join either party and not have a problem. Same could be said to some of those Republicans out there. But the reality is you can't jettison party. You can't jettison identity. You can't pretend that there's no difference because there always is. Now, it might be something as simple as a few degrees off, which is honestly, quite frankly, the biggest problem the Republican Party seems to be able to wrap their head around is a couple of degrees off is not detrimental. It is not your enemy, but some folks think otherwise. But if you can't agree on the primary things, if you can't focus on the big picture items, you're never ever going to get anything done. That's part of prioritizing people is understand that people have different ideas and different opinions and they work things out differently. They have different ways of doing things. And as long as they're on the same path as you, you should be open and willing to listen. (laughs) Well, that's all I got for today. (laughs) Hey, I really, I appreciate your time. Thank you for dropping in. I hope this uh, episode was worth your time. I will be back tomorrow. I'm going to probably only have a couple of episodes next week. I'm going to take a little time off with my wife. And I wish you all to have a great rest of the fall. I'll be back. I'm not going anywhere. Until then, I will see you on the other side.